I have to turn this on. Does that work? It works. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Reason for Our... No, we're at the Reason for Our Hope Foundation, but this is Anchored in Hope with Father Larry Richards, which we do from my podcast studio at the Reason for Our Hope Foundation. And so the first thing we got to do is pray because I got to settle because as soon as I come walking in, I've been looking, the, our whole place looks like hell on the outside. I ain't going to say what I really said, but I says we need to fire the people who said they were going to do it a month ago and hire somebody else. You know, oh, we'll get to it, we'll get to it. Well, we're not a get-to-it place. I mean, we do what you will, but that's enough. So I still get all crazy over that kind of stuff. People, if you're going to say you're going to do something, do it, and do it when you say you're going to do it. Or do something else. If you can't do what you do, then sorry, go do something else elsewhere. But you're not going to keep doing this to us because we look like heck outside. It's really bad. So with all that in mind, <laughs> we're going to pray. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. God of great love and mercy. We ask you to stay focused. Give us the grace to stay focused on you instead of all the situations that arise in our lives that try to gain our intention and so often does. Jesus, help us to breathe, to focus on you, to seek to do your will and only your will. We beg you these things, Lord Jesus, in your most holy name. Amen. Mary, Mother of Jesus, pray for us. Good Saint Joseph. Pray for us, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Welcome, this is August the 11th, 2022, Anchored in Hope with Father Larry, as we said, and I wasn't here last week, I, uh, as you all know, I was down in Phoenix, had a fine time uh, with Bishop John Dolan down there, as he was just brought into the, uh, installed as Bishop of Phoenix, and He's such a great and good man, and so I was very honored to be down there and got to spend time with a lot of different bishops and cardinals, and uh, it was they were just good, good people. So I was very uh, impressed that I could be down there, and uh, then I came back on Thursday night. I drove back here, and then I had a drive down to, uh, rented a car and drove down to Mount, uh, the Mount down in Emmitsburg, Maryland, and I spoke to about 300 men at a Catholic retreat, and then I gave my last conference. I was down down about 8 o'clock, so I start driving back, and I was supposed to get a hotel because it was a five-and-a-half-hour drive, but as I was driving, there was not a single occupancy all the way up because I start looking about 9, 30, 10 o'clock. That's what you get for not planning ahead on a Saturday in the middle of the summer. So I ended up driving all the way back home from there. And I, you know, stopped at a rest area, fell asleep for a little bit, drank lots of uh, coffee, and then uh, got back to my place at 2 o'clock in the morning on Sunday morning and then woke up for the, our new mass, uh, which was fantastic. Uh, but I was exhausted, of course. So, and now, as everybody knows, I got a dog. And people have already been asking about the dog, the puppy, uh, but that's down at the rectory and my office is not here, so I cannot show you. But you can go to uh, either my Facebook page or my uh, Twitter page or the Instagram page or the LinkedIn page and or Pinterest even, uh, and you can see the pictures of me and my new puppy. 
His name is Joe, not Joey, not Joseph, Joe. His name was Hercules. <laughs> oh, jeez. So he's a pure black, uh, black lab. He's 13 weeks old. He's, um, I, again, I wasn't, uh, I was going to wait because next Tuesday, I won't be here next Tuesday, uh, next Thursday, just so you know, I'm going to be in London with my classmate. We're going to go spend a week in London, England. And so then I'm going to walk the Camino in, uh, the, in, in um, October. So I was going to wait until then. But then we just did a fundraiser for my parish for the Anna Shelter in uh, Erie, Pennsylvania. And as they came and picked up all the stuff we got for them, um, my director of ministries, Diane Kilmeyer, was talking to her and says, you know, keep a lookout for some uh, puppies and that for Father Larry, you know, in the future. And then uh, the woman went and sent, Ruth sent her pictures of four labs that they had just got in from the Amish with the mother and the four puppies. And um, the Amish, it's uh, terrible. And what they were doing is uh, they raise these purebreds, and then once they get a certain age, their kids put them in the water until no bubbles come up. And so a guy was watching them do this and says, what are you doing? And they says, well, after we can't sell them, we put them in the thing. And he goes, no, 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 I know who can take them. So the Anna Shelter came and uh, they have a thing now that they stopped doing that. They give all their uh, puppies they can't sell to them and this time with their mothers. So there was one little black one uh, and his name was Hercules. <laughs> he says, okay, I'll go look. And I should have never went into the Anna Shelter. Once I walked in there, I knew I was done because there's all these dogs and they're all sad and they're all... Uh, looking for homes, and if I could have, I'd have taken all of them. I'd have had to do my own shelter. And uh, so I, you know, Hercules come running over to me, and uh, but there's no way in heck I could have a dog named after a uh, Greek god, you know, <laughs> Hercules. And I couldn't, I kept thinking of, uh, remember the Eddie Murphy movie, um, The Nutty Professor? Remember the one dinner scene where he plays almost every uh, character, the grandmother, the mother, the father, the uncle, everybody except for this little kid. And so this little kid stuffing his face and the, the mama, who's again played by Eddie Murphy, is going, Hercules, Hercules, Hercules. And that's all I could think about. I said, there's no way. So I kept praying. I said, okay, God, what should I call this dog? Because I got him on yesterday, the Feast of St. Lawrence, which is a fantastic feast. And uh, so he said, Joe. And I says, okay, his name is Joe. And uh, he's a very cute little puppy. Again, you can see him. I have lots and lots and lots of pictures, of course. He's been uh, almost completely house trained, which I don't see how that's even possible. But uh, I kept waking up every couple hours last night to put him out just to make sure he wouldn't go in the house. And he didn't. And uh, he was fine until I woke up early. And I went in to do my whole yard, and I should have put him out, but I didn't even think about it because I'm not used to having a puppy. And, uh, and so then he went to, to go on the floor, but I stopped him right before, but that was the only mistake. But the rest of the day, he's been going outside. He's been doing all his business outside. He's a very, uh, um, as of now, a quiet dog, but we know how uh, labs can be. Huh? My first dog was a rot lab. And I really liked rots, but nobody would ever take my rots except for one couple. Uh, they took my rots uh, when I would go out of town, and then they retired from doing that. And so everybody, when I'd say, anybody want to help me uh, take my rots when I'm away, and nobody would volunteer. 
So now everybody's volunteered to take the black lab. Oh, everybody wants Joe. Sure, sure. But now, uh, so that's what we got. 13-week-old black lab named Joe. Uh, I'll be putting more stuff on him on the internet, but I, I, I can't bring him live over here because if I brought him live over here, it would be crazy. Because he'll lay down and all of a sudden he'll jump on me. And if you see any white marks on my shirt, I don't know if it comes up because I had a, he's never walked steps before. So I had him walk, I taught him how to walk upstairs. And he took him out a little bit, but he got up, but he refuses to walk downstairs. So I have to carry him, <laughs> pick him up. And then he puts his nose everywhere and I get all these white spots all over me because of Joe. So anyway, it's just kind of fun. It really uh, has lifted my mood and everything a lot to have like a new beginning. Uh, uh, you know, there's a lot of new beginnings in my parish and different things. So yeah, uh, you mo keep moving on and God can do great things. So anyway, that's enough about Joe. So let's go right into everything else after I spent nine minutes on talking about myself and my puppy, but I saw that everybody wanted to see the very first thing. Jade, I hope we get to see the new pup, Joe. Sorry, I have to go on the internet. And again, I don't think you'll be able to see it here, but <laughs> there was, oh my goodness gracious. Some a friend of mine, I don't know if I'll be able to show this or not, but Paul and Julia from San Diego. Now, Julia is a saint. Paul's a pagan. But anyway, he put the, the one picture I put out. I sent them one too, though. But I sent this one picture out. Uh, and then he took this picture and he divided it in half and he put a song to it. So I don't know. We'll see if you can see this. I'll try it here. Um, but let's see here if this will even work. Nope, it ain't going to work because, well, let's see here. I have my thing off. That's part of the reality. But for those who it's kind of cute here, I'll just show. Say, I, I love, love you. Say, you. Me. No, you. Me. No, you. So I don't know if you saw it or not, but it made me laugh. And anyway, I have uh, lots of um, pictures and that. We'll put them on later just so you know. So there you go. Hi, Harry. Good evening for everybody. Happy St. Clair Day. Absolutely. Um, good evening. In training, we are told never to assume it makes, I, I can't say that on the radio here, or the thing, but next Monday we celebrate the Assumption. Yes. Now, in Europe, I'm guessing it's a holy day of obligation because usually, and again, it used to be in Europe that the holy days were also holidays, but it's not that way in America. So in America, it's a holy day, but not a holy day of obligation because it falls on a Monday. Um, that's one of the weird things about the holy day of obligations in America anyway. So... Uh, but we celebrate no matter what, whether it's an obligation or not. So I encourage you to go to Mass on that day. Thank you. Has a pup got a name? Yep, Joe. Can we see Joe Father again one of these days? Uh, I might bring him up when he gets older. Uh, but right now he's just a, a little 
I don't know. Puppy. Okay, glad to hear you live for a bit today. So glad to see a new friend. Good day, Father Larry. Happy puppy. Sunshine, I struggle to hear God's voice to figure out God's will in my life. I try to listen and use scripture, but I still don't feel like I know what God wants me to do. Any suggestions? Again, like I, I get a, I, I, this weekend I did the men's conference, I mean the men's retreat. And so when I do a retreat, whether it be the uh, parish mission or I do a, um, a uh, DME or Divine Mercy Encounter retreat, I always like people through a prayer experience. Now, again, you can uh, listen to this talk on prayer if you download our free app called the uh, um, Hope TV. Again, I talked about it last week and a week before, but it's an app just called Hope T, Our Hope TV. I'm sorry, Our Hope TV. And so you put in there the search, you put prayer, and I think it's the first or second thing that's the old CD on my prayer talk. And so I walk you through a prayer experience. And so I did this with all the men. And I, you know, I told them, I, I always love to do it in front of the Blessed Sacrament. And I says, uh, you just got to trust me on this and give God these five minutes. And so we take them through that. And again, it's on the prayer CD. But what uh, we don't do in the prayer CD, and I do with the men this weekend and uh, on retreat, is after they've done uh, getting in the presence of God, breathing, three times, one for the Father, one for the Son, one for the Holy Spirit, very, very slowly, and then do three things. Uh, tell God you're sorry, not like you go to confession, much deeper. You're sorry for all the things that you've hurt him, you've hurt others, you hurt yourself by no excuses, just you're sorry, and you let God forgive you. And then you surrender your life to him, holding nothing back, absolutely nothing back. And then you ask the God of the universe to hold you. And you feel God embrace you. You put your head on his chest. You listen to his heartbeat. The way St. John the Evangelist did at the Last Supper, St. John always represents all of us. And so that's why we do the same thing at my Mass on every day. Okay, sit back, and especially on Sunday when I say it explicitly, but I give him time for it during the daily Mass. Sit back, close your eyes, ask the Lord to embrace you. Listen to his heartbeat. Every time his heart beats, he says, I love you. I love you. And then to say the Lord's Prayer with Jesus, slowly letting it echo through your whole being. Huh? And so after that happens, uh, after you've surrendered everything to him and uh, you said the Lord's Prayer with him, then I ask people to sit down and to write a letter to God and from God. Now, Many of you might, might have written letters to God, and that's a good thing um, because you're in control. I would tell people to be honest about it. You know, if you're struggling with him, if you're doubting him, if you're afraid, if you're sinful, whatever it is, just be honest with God. But then I tell them on the other side of the sheet of paper to let God write them a letter and uh, pray to the Holy Spirit before you do that and just ask God. So you put your name, dear Joe or dear Sally or dear Samantha or dear Mary, whatever. And then get out of the way and just start writing, allowing God to speak to you. And again, some of it might be from you, of course, but most of it will be from God. And that's why you have to have a discerning heart. So one of the guys who was 21 years old and uh, doing other things he came up to me, and I never met him before. 
as far as I know. He was at their retreat. And he says, Father, that was the first time I ever heard God's voice. And I said, praise God. And a lot of men came up to me and said the same thing, that um, when you do that, it shows you're in relationship. And then I tell people one of the best things to do is not just do it once, but start a prayer journal. And every day write a letter to God, from God, or from God to you, or to you from God. And you can watch your relationship with Jesus grow throughout the years. It's a fantastic thing. When you're struggling, when you're wondering whether God exists or he doesn't exist, write a letter to him, write a letter from him, watch the reality of your relationship. So the one kid came up to me, a man came up to me, and he says, Father, first time I ever heard that. And I says, well, fantastic. And I says, and so what did God say to you? And he got sheepish for, a, sheepish for a moment. And I said, well, and he goes, uh, he said to me, Father, that I want you to join me in the priesthood. And I said, fantastic. Has he ever said anything like that? No, Father, it's never been part of it. And I said, well, you have to discern that now. Is it truly of God? Of course, we're all called to participate in the priesthood, whether you're married or whether you're single or whether you're um, uh, a priest, of course, there's the, the priesthood of the faithful. The priesthood of the faithful is like when I say at Mass, the Lord be with you and you respond and also with you. It's the priesthood of the faithful and the ordained priesthood working together. So, but again, um, people throughout it says they never uh, could hear God's voice. So I just encourage you that might be one way for you to hear God's voice. Again, you have to discern it. One of the best things, of course, is to have a spiritual director to help you discern it. But again, um, one of the ways to know it's of God or it's of a, if, if it's of you is in his will is our peace, so it'll give you peace. doesn't mean it'll be easy, but it'll give you peace. This is what God wants. So I hope that ha- helps you sunshine. Chris Walker. Hi, Chris. Uh, can we meet the new executive director and what can I do to help increase discipline? I keep falling back into bad habits. Well, the executive director, I've told her now for the last month too, too to put something out uh, to show who she is and the bio and everything. So we just had a meeting today and uh, we're going to do it when I come back from London. Uh, and we'll invite people to our Oktoberfest and we'll invite people to... Um, Oh, to our Hope TV, because our Hope TV hasn't been officially launched yet. So, but that's going to be happening. Again, I've been uh, encouraging that to happen. So it will happen uh, when I come back from London, God willing, huh? Uh, How can I uh, increase discipline? Again, when I was younger, I was not a very disciplined person. I've become more disciplined as I get older, because I think I allow myself time to not be disciplined. Um, like so when I wake up at 3.55, I don't do that on Saturdays and Sundays. And everybody tells you, oh, you got to do that. Or if I'm doing fasting, I'll have a day where I don't fast at all and I eat anything I want. Um, Because if you're too rigid in those things, then it becomes a humongous burden in my experience. So I always allow time, built-in time, to not do the discipline. So that my, and again, other people might do it totally different, but this is the way I've done it and has helped me uh, throughout the years. Uh, Again, everything went off. I still exercise every day. I do everything. I won't go to bed without all the rings in my phone, uh, exercise rings being filled. But again, when it comes to fasting, I had after my mother died, 
it and in the middle of it it was just a, a struggle for me so i haven't got back into the fasting and i'm ready to trust me my body's like okay enough of this but because i'm going to london i don't want to um I won't fast at London at all. Now, I hear the food really bad in London. I don't know. But absolutely every single person I've talked to that has uh, been in London, they all say the food is bad except for high tea. Um, so I have no idea whether we're going to do anything like that because my classmate really doesn't want to do anything over there because he's been there like 10 times. I haven't been there at all. So I have a little pocket guide. So whether he wants to or not, he can stay at the uh, Airbnb. And then I can, we're right in downtown London. I can go do all the things that he's done 50 times. Uh, so I'm looking forward uh, to that. But it'll be kind of like, uh, but again, so I'm not, when I come back, I'm going to go back onto my, fa excuse me, my fasting. So my thing is, um, and again, when I discipline, when it's that, I, it's always helpful to do it for somebody else. So um, when I fast, I always do it for someone else, a different day, uh, like one day for my family, the next day for my parish, the next day uh, for all the men's uh, conferences I'm in, uh, a spiritual director for, next day for the foundation, one day for uh, personal uh, holiness that I love people and love God more. Um, so every day it's for a different thing. And it's always helpful if you do any of your disciplines for somebody else that helps significantly. Okay. There you go. I was excited to hear you were in Emmitsburg. I went to the Mount for college. Oh, there you go. Yeah, we had a fine time. It's a good place down there. Let's take some of these. Let's stay at the top one and see what it says. This is from, I don't know, greetings. Oh, Mike. Father Larry, you have often mentioned that you have anger issues. <laughs> I do. Right before uh, I came on here, I was having an anger issue. Not bad, but I was just irritated that, you know, people had said they were going to do stuff, haven't done it. And like I said, it, it already drives me crazy. And I obsess over that for a while until it's like, okay, are we done with this stuff? You know, um, so I appreciate your humility. I don't have any of that. I deal with that myself, and sometimes it's disabling. I know. Exactly. Prompted by the gospel reading this morning, I was wondering if you think that anger is primarily caused by lack of forgiveness. It has part of it. Anger, which even goes deeper, anger is a symptom of something. Um, it's never the, the main issue. Anger is a symptom of either hurt or fear. Hurt that someone's hurt you. Um, and at first, uh, like again, when I get hurt, and it's easily, I can get hurt. In the beginning, when I feel that hurt coming on, I respond to it by anger. Why? Because that helps protect me, if you will. It's no longer a good way to do it, but that's what I learned as a kid, all my dysfunctions in my family and everything else. Um, we all, every single one of us, my mother, my father, my grandmother, my grandfather, um, well, both sides when it comes down to it. My sister, my brother, all of us have anger issues. And we would scream at each other our, my whole life. That's the way we talked half the time in the family. Nobody even thought twice about it. And so it was the way I learned, and then, again, this is just me, but the way I learned to um, um, deal with life and to deal with uh, protect myself and all that stuff. So now it's no longer appropriate, right? 
62 years old. I'm a priest of Jesus Christ. I shouldn't have anger issues. Now, again, it's easy to say, and it's easy to judge people who do that, and it's easy for say, you shouldn't do that. You're a priest. I say the same thing to myself every time I get crazy. It doesn't change it. Some of it's, well, it'll be by grace that it completely changes, and I am better. That's why I went from a Rottweiler to a Black Lab, just so you know. <laughs> Part of the reason. Anyway, um, and so the other thing is uh, hurt is the first thing and then fear of the other. And it's not a, afraid of being hurt so much, but it's a fear of losing control, a fear of uh, giving someone else to trust somebody else. There's a lot of issues when it comes to that. And so the way we protect ourselves is we get angry, especially men, but not just men. So often what I've done, and I, I take this to God in prayer, and especially if I go ballistic on something. Today is not something I didn't go crazy enough to, I have to think about it for the rest of my life. It's just like, okay, enough of this stuff. But when I go ballistic and I lose it, which I have, and again, if any of you saw me when I'm in the middle of losing it, you would sit there and say, I'm the most evil priest ever. I am the most horrendous priest ever, and you would be correct. You know, there is no excuse, you know, I was out to dinner with friends the other day, and he says, Father, you know, you really, and it really, you really got to make sure you control that stuff. Um, I know. <laughs> Thank you for telling me the obvious, but I know quite well. That's why I go to uh, see a counselor every week. Uh, I am dealing with it. I am doing everything I can. So uh, it's all you can do, right? You, you just, if there was a flip, a switch that I could sit there and turn, so it would always, I would never get angry again, I'd always be gentle, da, da, da. Well, I'd flip it. But I've been working on this for many, 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 many years. I'm better, but I'm not perfect in that. So when we get that way, we just got to know go in prayer and say, okay, so what am I afraid of? What am I hurt by? And then ask the Lord Jesus to heal that. And then when he heals that, then you don't have to uh, lash out as much. So it's always great if we can have a time to pray about it, then we won't lash out. But usually with me, it's unpredicted. You know, it's just all of a sudden, you know, something's not done or it's like crazy and it's like, oh, for goodness sake. So again, we need to constantly ask for the grace to grow in forgiveness and patience, as you said. Uh, how do we stop being irritated by everybody? And again, think about it. Jesus never stopped being irritated with people, right? He was irritated with the Pharisees. He would groan, how much longer do I have to endure you? Jesus got angry, but he never sinned. Huh? We can get angry if we don't sin. Anger has to do with self when it becomes sinful. But anger to protect another, anger against injustice, that is all justified as long as we don't hurt people in the midst of it. But Jesus got angry, you know, and uh, so did Paul. Oh, my gosh. You know, when we look at Paul, Paul had anger issues, you know, just look at Galatians when he's talking about he's fighting over the people who want circumcision. He says, you stupid Galatians. Yes, he does. He says, you stupid Galatians. I hope the next time one of you try and talk about castration, the knife slips 
I hope the next time you talk about circumcision, I hope the knife slips and you castrate yourselves. <laughs> Is that nice? No, but it was St. Paul who wrote, love is patient, love is kind. You know, it does not take offense, really. The same man wrote both of those things, and that gives me great hope that it's not either or, it's both and. I'm always going to be a fiery person. Huh? Like I just baptized, I baptized, I buried someone in my parish, 90 years old, great lady, um, and so she was a clown and eerie sometimes, and her name was Feisty. And uh, there was no better name for that woman than Feisty. And like one day she sits there, and she very, had great love of the Lord, and she was very good. But one day one of my um, uh, employee's daughter was pulling out, and a woman didn't like it. Well, and he gave her the finger. She gave this little old lady, gave this girl the finger. Isn't that bad? But she was also a holy lady. And I think that dealing with people all these lives, all my life, that we're all like this a bit. You know, there are people that never get mad. And I just, God bless them. But you know, that's normally a natural way. And usually if they're not aggressive like I am, they're passive aggressive. And to me, there's nothing worse. Oh my goodness gracious. Give me aggressive any day I can deal with that. Passive aggressive, I cannot deal with because it's still anger, but it comes out in another way. And uh, so we all have our issues. That's what I'm trying to say. Every one of us have issues. And if you looked at any of us on our worst day, and then we judge the person for the rest of their lives, our lives because of our worst day, we would all be in bad situations. huh? Isn't it amazing that our friends, our family members, they love us when they see the worst. They know our worst, and yet they still love us. But there are people who hate us in spite of our best. They don't look at that. They only see our worst. And so we need to learn to surrender everything that we are to the Lord Jesus Christ. Say, Lord, take my anger, take my hurt, take my fear, take my joy, take my holiness, take everything. I give it to you, and only you can continue to make me and form me into your image i can't do it but he can and you just got to be patient huh none of us came out of our mothers walking we came out of our mothers just laying there going to the bathroom and burping eating too of course but then we learned to turn over then we learned to crawl then we learned to walk we fell a lot but we finally mastered it so it is in the spiritual life. We grow. Sometimes we take a step forward and we're doing fantastic. And then sometimes we take two steps back and we're not doing so fantastic. But God knows all of this before he created any of us. And he loves us and he's with us. As long as we keep repenting, as long as we never make peace with our sinfulness and say, Lord, this is me without you. You gotta help me. And he will. Trust in God in the midst of these things, and you will get better slowly. I hope that helps. Michael. Okay. Maureen, glad to listen to you live. I normally listen to you in the evening, but today I'm in Medjugorje. There you go. 
I was in Medjugorje twice in the 1989 and 1990. It was before and all the places had... Uh, I was there on August 15th, uh, my first time there, me and Father Ken Roberts of, uh, of um, God rest him. And uh, it was so, 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 very, very, very hot when I was over there. You know, it was unbelievable. And I would hear confessions. That's where I always got my uh, hearing confessions. It all started there. I was only ordained a wow. And in those days... There was no places to, like uh, booths for confessions. There was just two chairs there. And they still have, I don't know if they still do. It's been like, again, 30-some years since I've been over there. But they would have these little metal uh, fold-over tents, if you will. And you just took what uh, languages you spoke, and you picked it up, and you put it in front of you. The only thing I ever spoke was English, of course. And then people would start lining up, and they were life-changing confessions. And it was so hot in the sun because I sat there from 7 in the morning to like 10 o'clock at night here in confessions there. I got a sunburn through my blacks. That's how intense the sun was there. So I have great, great, great memories of Medjugorje. So have a, a fine time there. Um, make sure you listen to the Lord. And again, don't just look at the saints. Make sure you're looking at Jesus while you're over there. Keep looking at Jesus. Very good. Welcome. Bruce, hi, Dave Light got his lab from the same situation. The lady that runs that rescue has put the fear of our Lord and the Amish man. <laughs> Who made the kids do that? There you go. Good job. Yeah, you heard the story. It's something. Yep, so anyway, this is, uh, when you look at the picture, some people don't think it's a pure lab because his ears are kind of, but they say it's part of uh, what it is. I've never had a full lab before, but anyway. Okay. He's a little kid. Yes, labs are great. Afternoon, our welcome to Joe. Thank you. Father Larry, I have taken 100% action today on forgiving everyone I have ever had. So much bent up stuff towards others. Your homily this morning was the nudge I needed. See you at Oktoberfest. Thanks, Bruce. And again, today's readings are very much about forgiveness. And I think that too many Catholics, they go to daily mass and they have unforgiveness in their heart. And it's just, it's, it's eternal damnation that awaits us if we don't forgive everybody. Everybody, Father, everybody. So make sure, again, as I said this morning at Mass, you ask uh, the Lord to reveal to you anyone you have not forgiven. Because, again, on my Twitter feed and Facebook and everything this morning, I just used the quote, and the such will your, my Heavenly Father treat you unless uh, he'll treat you the same way you treat others, what it comes down to. Forgive, you have to forgive your brother from your heart, it says. So then I, the first question I ask is, am I a forgiving person? Question mark. Now everybody sits here and says, oh, sure, I'm a forgiving person. And then the next question is, uh, is there anyone I haven't forgiven? Oh, uh, oh, I don't like you, Father. Oh, join the crowd. And then the next question is, what must I do? Question mark. So I got to do something. I just can't. You know, whenever I send out Twitter verses and Facebook and all that stuff, it's for people to change. It's letting the word of God change our heart. It's kind of like sending a key out to all over the world, every morning and every night. And the key is the word of God. And if you let it in, it'll unlock your heart. It'll unlock your mind. It'll unlock um, your fear because that's what God's word does. And so you have to receive it, take it in, meditate on it, and great things can happen. So again, so if any of you are listening to this, if, ask the Lord, is there anyone you haven't forgiven? And then make the act of the will. Lord, I forgive them and I ask you to forgive them. 
You cannot go to communion if you have an unforgiving heart. You know, you just can't. And see, that's what drives people crazy. They go people after, you know, whether they're pro-life, not pro-life. You can't go to communion. And I go, ah, you're correct. But probably you can't either if you have an, un- not probably. If you have anyone you've refused to forgive, you can't go to communion either. You just can't. Jesus said that, and then we say they are Father, like I said today, when it says, uh, you know, forgive us as we forgive. And then right after the prayer in Matthew's gospel, it says, uh, if you forgive others, your Father will forgive you. If you do not forgive others, neither will your Father forgive you. Now, this is an eternal thing, people of God. So that means if I have an unforgiving heart, God will not forgive me forever. So it's very, very important if we call ourselves followers of the Lord Jesus Christ that we forgive everybody. Is that easy? No, it's not. Who's our example for this? Jesus Christ. As he was on the cross and the people were killing him, he cries out, Father, forgive them. We need to do the same thing because we're called to love like Christ loves. Huh? Is that easy? Of course not. Will it kill you? Of course it will. (laughs) It'll give you eternal life. And again, as we've talked about forgiveness many times, when you don't forgive somebody, it doesn't do anything to them. It destroys you from the interior. That's why it drives me crazy. So some of the people that come off as most holy and look how holy I am and look at this, they're very filled with hate just hate-filled. And I, uh, uh, what is this? It's not what God's calling us to do, so we got to move on. Okay, here we go. Hi, Father Larry. I hope you're doing well. I wanted to, I wanted to ask a question about Judas. I know he betrayed Jesus, and Jesus said it would be better if he, ne- if he had never been born. But when he was on the cross, he asked the Father to forgive the ones who were torturing him because they didn't know what they were doing. Why wouldn't he include uh, Judas too. It would seem obvious that when we knew exactly what we were doing, Judas was remorseful, so why wasn't he forgiven? It doesn't say anywhere that he wasn't forgiven. In fact, uh, if you ever go and you read John Paul II, you know, St. John Paul II, if you read his book, Crossing the Threshold of Hope, and I was a seminarian, of course, and I read this book, and I was um, like very... uh, it was one of those things just like um, just like the Holy Father does to me now, the Holy Father did to me then and under the person of John Paul. And he just sits there and asks the question. He says, we don't even know, again, quote from the book, we don't even know from scriptures that Judas is in hell. And what he's saying is, he said, we know that there's a hell. John Paul II said this, but we don't know if anybody's there. And then he says, we can't even say Judas is there. Um, And so, and here's a man who his greatest devotion was Our Lady at Fatima. And Our Lady of Fatima, the seer, said, the people go to hell like snowflakes in a snowstorm. He knew all that intimately when he wrote the book. This is an official dogma. It's his own personal book. He wrote it as Pope, though, but it has some... uh, it brought in something new that uh, we had never had a pope that just, as far as I know, they were talking about when this happened. They never had a pope that just wrote a book that wasn't an encyclical. So when he said stuff like this, it was like, uh, uh, re- really? So again, so we really don't know. It's when it comes right down to it. 
But someone asked ask a question today. Okay, and here we go. Um, this is from Christopher. We won't say his last name. Father, thanks for being a priest that you are. Okay, thank you. Also, thank you for keeping my wife in your prayers. She has a long road. We all do. As a person who sits in the middle of the Catholic world, I do have questions for you if you are willing. Of course. And the first one is this. When eating with us, you mentioned how the global Catholic world thinks differently. I am to know that I am, am to how... I am to know how that is. I would admit that this is something I don't have uh, knowledge on. Uh, it's a good question. So I'm guessing this happened at the uh, retreat. I'm not sure. I'm thinking it was. But anyway, but when you, I was talking about, sometimes Catholics think in America that we're the whole church. And the reality is that we're only 6% of the church. Now, so our experience of church is uh, traditional for the most part. Um, it's more of a, uh, you know, like I say, like the law of the church. We are people that are English and different things, and we follow the law. If you ever go to Italy, they don't follow the law. They, they're all guidelines to so many of them. Of course, you get people, no, no, none of that's right. We got to follow the, it's all the law, black and white. Whereas European, uh, Europeans are a lot like this, all of us, and we consider ourselves with that. So Italians would be a bad example, but they're Latin in some ways. So, but they are like, if you ever go to, nobody goes to church in there. The same in Latin America. The biggest part of the world that is Catholic now uh, are Latin Americans. The, the third world is most of the church. And like all the new cardinals have been brought in, have been brought in all the third world. Now, they think differently than we do, meaning um, they know the same teaching, but so many of them don't go to church, but they have great devotion, you know. Um, they have great uh, devotionals, like Our Lady of Guadalupe and that. Um, and, you know, I know people that have great devotion to Our Blessed Mother, say the rosary every day, but wouldn't go to Mass at all because of the way the church was uh, and treated them meaning not the church, but the, its representatives, the priests, the bishops. Um, and so they look at things more nuanced than Americans. And so like Pope Francis, he was an outsider from the very beginning. You know, the Curia in Rome was very uh, European-centered, uh, very power-centered. And here comes someone that has nothing to do with any of that. And so the first Thursday when after he was made Pope was Holy Thursday. And so he broke all tradition. And he had men and women at the washing of the feet. And he kissed a Muslim girl's foot there. And that is when the first everybody, the traditionalists, went out of their mind. Huh? Because they said, the church doesn't allow that. But everybody forgets. Or like, canon law doesn't allow that. Canon law says, who's the one who decides canon law? The Holy Father. The Holy Father can change canon law today, tomorrow, yesterday. <laughs> Done. Changed. Any questions? He did it a couple, more than a couple of times. So did John Paul II, who put in the new canon law that it's all law for the church, but the Pope is the supreme enforcer and the interpreter of the law, 
period, comma, end of all paragraphs. So he sees instead of this as a clerical, just for men, it's just the priests, he sees it in a different way. That's the way most Americans see it. He sees it, it's an act of service, right? He says, see what I've done for you? I who am your Lord and master, if I have served you, you must serve others. So it's a totally different way of looking at things. And that's really what start getting Pope Francis in trouble is he start doing those types of things. And so but the, the uh, Latin Americans and the church down there exactly got it. We fought it. Like again, I was sitting there with a group of people and we were talking about the Pope in uh, the um, in Canada. And you know, last uh, week or two weeks ago now, I guess when he was in Canada, or last week, I don't remember. Anyway, so uh, first thing he did, he's in a wheelchair because of his knees and uh, he comes and he kisses the hand of an Indian who was abused. Uh, I think it was the one who was abused or represented the ones who were abused, who the church, you know, we abused people Children were killed under our watch. We sexually abused them. And people say, the church didn't do that. Okay, semantics, play your little game. It was the priests who did that. And the priest represents the church. So play whatever game you want. Jesus didn't do it, but the human person of the priest did. And so that's why the Pope has to go there and beg forgiveness, which people, again, I was watching online, and people said the church should never beg forgiveness. Those people are not of God. Do you even get it? Do you even get it when we sit there and think that we can have nothing to apologize for? We used to kill people in Christ's name in the church. Are you kidding me? Look at the Inquisition. Oh, no. Oh, stop it. Just look at the reality of all this stuff. People go nuts in trying to bend all the things, but we as a church have done evil things. Christ has not done evil things, but his representatives have, and we must apologize and not only apologize, but do everything to bring healing. So here's the Pope kissing the hand, and then he went and they put on the Indian headdress, right? And so this one man looked at me and he says, and he looked like a fool. Yep, he did. That's humility. You see, I would give my life for that church. I would not give my life for a clerical church. Not even close. I am so disgusted with it myself. People who think they're special because they're a priest, they're a bishop, they're a cardinal. Anytime we think we're special, humility has died and we're filled with self. You'll listen to me because I'm a priest. Have I said that? I have. I'm embarrassed by it. That's not who God calls us to be. And so we speak with authority but the authority of love, of service, of humility. Again, as I talked about a couple of weeks ago, how can you tell what's of the devil and what's not of the devil? The devil can never, ever imitate humility, and the devil can never, ever imitate sacrificial love. So if a person's spouting and yelling about you obey and do all that stuff, there's no humility there, so you just know that this is not of God. The person is filled with selfishness. And you can be very uh, apparently holy, virgin, no, nothing, do anything wrong like the Pharisees. 
They did nothing wrong. They obeyed every commandment. But they had no love and humility in their heart. And Jesus really got on their case. Jesus could be harsh. And so sometimes we need to, if we're not willing to learn, we're not willing to grow, we're not willing to change, we're not willing to give other people the, uh, the benefit of the doubt, and we're willing only to jump on them, to say they look like a fool, to sit there and say, see, they're not of God, to call the representative of God's church a heretic. It's just not of God. Take and do with it as you will. I'll get emails and people will be nasty to me again in God's holy name. God bless you. Whatever it takes, I don't care. But I'm just telling you, we need all of us, especially me. We need to grow in humility. And instead of judging everybody that don't agree with us, and it sounded like I was just judging them, but I didn't see any one person, I was saying in general, I didn't call any person out, but I'm calling us all out. And that's what I need to do as a priest. Okay. I'm in search of a home place parish in my area can you share ways i can discern how to choose a parish again make sure the parish is orthodox make sure that they're doing something for the poor one of the things like i i started when i was my past when i became a pastor 20 years ago is i read a book it says if your church was to die today and the only ones would notice if your church would go out of existence is the members you have not been the church of jesus christ so does your church take care of the poor does your church reach out to the needy, or is it only about taking care of their own? And any church that's just involved in their own worship, this way we worship, we love to worship this way. Are they taking care of the poor? Nope. Well, Jesus talks about the final judgment will be, I was thirsty, I was hungry, and he gave me the food. And so if a church isn't doing that, there's a problem. Huh? So we have a food pantry, of course. People come to the door every day. I always say never turn anybody away without giving them something. Um, we have a clothing store. It's 100% free. Um, you know, we have various things go on um, that go on in the parish. So it's an important reality. And then that the parish is orthodox, meaning they're following the teaching of the church. And again, what orthodoxy is, people of God. Let's just explain this. It's not what you believe and what you were taught when you were a child. The orthodoxy of the church is a living person it's jesus christ and it's represented by the magisterium of the church what is the magisterium of the church the pope with the bishops understand so if there's one or two bishops that go haywire and say no i don't agree the pope is wrong well that's not the magisterium of the church they can scream and jump up and down all they want that i gotta say what's true you're against the rest of the bishops and you're against the pope you're in the wrong uh, lane, Bishop. You must change and you must repent. It's just that simple. But it's so funny, the ones that call the Pope to repent and change, they wouldn't let anyone of their priests or their people call them to repent and change. Isn't that amazing? You obey me and do as I say. I am the bishop of this diocese. But they won't listen to the supreme bishop in Rome because they're more right. Again, what is missing there? Is it humility? Oh, maybe. 
Again, not judgment in any person. I'm just saying, but we got to look and we got to discern. Discernment is so important, the discernment of spirits. And so people out there who are so confused, what am I to listen to, Father? You always listen to the magisterium. You can never go wrong listening to magisterium. And you listen to those who have humility and to those who are sacrificially giving their life. That's how you discern what's of God and what is not of God. Okay, so let's continue here. Oh, but da ba da ba So happy I like the videos. There you go. Good. Julia, he's still a pagan. I'm sorry. So I hope that helps. Harry, yep, the food in London is awful. Visit France instead. Yeah, I know. I visited France, and a lot of the food I didn't like in France either, <laughs> except, but the best food I ever had in France, it has nothing to do with anything, was at a rest stop. We were driving along the thing, and there was a restaurant there, and they had very nice restaurants, and it was the best food I had in France. I'm sorry. I just was. Again, I, I always thought when I, when I was there, it was all these cream sauces and all these uh, fondues and all that stuff, and it wasn't. It was like fish and everything I don't like. But anyway, so, okay. Chang. Father, is it due to seventh month that why I feel so down every day and lots of things have been going wrong? I know, Chang. Again, it's been happening with me. A puppy helps, trust me, but still. And also, one of the things that I read and I've been doing for the last two weeks is taking vitamin B. I forget, is it six or 12? I forget. But they just did a big study on this uh, about a month ago about the vitamin B supplement can really lift up your mood. And it's helped me and it's very cheap and it's just a supplement. You don't go crazy on it. You don't do mega doses, but I don't know what I take, but it's really helped uh, my moods in the last couple of weeks by God's grace. So um, you got to just find out what's going on inside. But again, as I say, write a list of all the things that are going wrong in your life and write a list of all the things that are going right. You know, you can walk, you can talk, you can hear, you can be on the internet, you know Jesus, uh, Jesus died for you, you can receive the Eucharist, Jesus forgives you your sins, and you just, when you're getting down, instead of focusing on all those five things that are driving you nuts or whatever it is, praise God for all the things that are doing great in your life, and then you can be lifted up. Hope that helps, Jane. Thomas, at the Transfiguration, Jesus conversing with Moses and Elijah. Where were Moses and Elijah before they appeared? Well, again, we have to remember that God lives in an eternal now. So everything is now to God. So the world is being created now. Uh, Jesus is dying on the cross now. Jesus at the Last Supper now. Jesus is resurrected now. Jesus is judging the heavens and earth now. We were being born now. We are dead now. We are in heaven or we are in hell now. Everything is now before God. So like when you go to Mass, you don't re-kill Jesus. Eternity folds into time and time folds into eternity. And we're at the Last Supper now. We're at the resurrection now. We're in heaven now. And so when Moses and Elisha appeared, there was Old Testament saints. And because they live in the eternal nowness of God, they could already see the glory. And so they could come and walk into the time of man because they were beyond time after they died. Jesus already set them free by dying and going to uh, the abode of the dead because God is eternal now. We have to walk through time. As a philosophical concept, just read about the eternal now and it'll go much deeper. Hope that helps. Robert, Father, I know that you had a bad experience in Atlanta, but my family and I would love your teaching and would go to see you if you come back to Atlanta. How can we bring you back? Well, you got to find a pastor who's willing to 
uh, read all the stuff and because we have still opening for next year, a couple openings for uh, parish missions, but they got to agree to be there every night. There's a whole list. You can go on our website, The Reason for Our Hope, and it says bring Father Larry in and have Father Larry come speak and it explains all that. It's in great detail. It's finding a pastor who is selfless enough to come in and also grow in this faith. The problem is a lot of pastors think they already are there. They don't need to listen to anybody except themselves. So I don't want to go to those parishes anyway. But if I do come to a parish, the pastor must be there every single night and all the staff because it's a parish uh, transformation if it's a parish mission if it's a one-night talk again you get people there i gladly come in for a one-night talk almost anywhere or a one-day talk as long as i'm back on for sunday okay uh gretchen my not practicing brother received communion i told him he couldn't he said when i die are you going to be the judge what should i have said i go I, again i never tell people that because it is god himself who judges the person so I tell people ahead of time that, you know, you shouldn't receive communion if you're not in a state of grace and da 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 but you don't know their heart. So again, when we sit there, your job is to focus on Jesus, not to focus on other people uh, or judge other people or who can go to communion, who can't go to communion. That's not our job. It's the pastor's job, the priest's job. And like I do that at every mass, if you ever watch the mass, but again, um, when people outside are just sitting there, oh, you can't go to communion, it so comes off so judgmental. I'm sure that's not what you intended. You wanted to help them and make sure they didn't receive a, a, a curse instead of a blessing. But it's usually, uh, it's on the back of almost all missalettes and have them read it. But again, it is God who's going to judge them, not you, not me. Everybody is human, though. Mother Angelica always talked about her own anger issues. Yes, she did. She used to say St. Jerome had a bad temper. Oh, he did. <laughs> yes, it was St. Jerome. Pat, Father, whenever you lose it with someone, do you then apologize to them in your anger? Yes, I have to. It's one of the things my shrink made me do. Again, if it's an unjust anger, you know, if it's a, uh, another thing, then I don't because I don't want them to think that it's okay. Um, they need a kick in the butt. Anyway, AK, Pagan Paul, Zayla and I are happy that you liked the video of her cousin Joe and her uncle. Father. There you go. Think you have to be perfect to be awesome. There you go. I have this great new dog. It's it's very like relaxing. Hi, Father Larry. I'm going to give. I'm going to be giving a talk on Saint Maximilian Colby on Sunday to my youth group. Do you have any advice on my, what the talking points? The biggest one is he loved others, because it proved how much he loved God because he loved others. People that say they're madly in love with God or his mother will gladly give away their life for other people people who are not willing to give away their life and love other people, they really don't love God. And that ain't me who said that. It's in John. Those who, if you say, I love God who you cannot see and you hate your brother who you can see, you are a liar. Okay, I can't get to any more here. Uh, I gotta get out of here. So uh, I won't be here next week. I'm gonna be in London all next week, but I'll be praying for all of you at my daily mass, my daily holy hour. Please pray for me and then I'll be back in Two weeks, God willing. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless, keep, and protect you. He was Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you.